Morning. 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 When I was a kid, I was a handful. <laughs> no. I probably no. didn't realize that, did you? <laughs> <laughs> I was a handful. I was energetic. I was always into things. The church was no different. And I was I was the kid that was like all over the building. When I would come through the doors, our church had these, these swinging doors as you came. It had like a lobby. And then as you entered into the sanctuary, it had these swinging doors. And I would just come into boom, and swing open and I'd burst through in there. I was just an energetic kid. And when the service was over, I would come down the aisle, and I would kind of fight my way through, and I'd come down, and I would shake the minister's hand, and then I would turn around and go back through the crowd and get back in line to come through and shake the minister's hand again. And I'd turn around, and I would go back through and come back down and shake the minister's hand. I just kept doing this, and I was becoming a nuisance. I was knocking people over and everything. It was crazy. And one day when I was doing that, the minister took me by the shoulders. I had no idea what he was about to do. <laughs> but he took me by the shoulders and he moved me over beside him and he says, why don't you stand here and shake everybody else's hand as they go out? <laughs> Man, he could not have given me a million dollars with a million more than me than that. I thought that was awesome. I got to stand beside the preacher and shake everybody's hand as they went out. And for several weeks, I don't know how long it lasted, but for several weeks, that's what I did. I would come out and shake his hand, and then I would stand right beside him and shake everybody else's hand as they went out. That minister's name was Jack Butch. He had a very strong influence on me as a little kid. Several years later, when I'm 15, I'm in the youth group of this church, and we had been asked to do a youth night on Sunday nights. And so we had, we had several weeks to prepare for that. And the youth leader says, well, I know who we want to preach the message. And I was like, who? And they said, you. Freaked me out, man. I was like, what? Never. They said, we want you. And so I met with my minister at that time. Uh, his name was, uh, was Monty Cooper. And he worked with me to help me develop my first sermon I would ever preach at age 15. And we sat down and we developed a 20-minute sermon. And it took all of about two minutes to preach. <laughs> I was scared to death. But there's little things like that that kind of was, was part of my experience growing up. I can remember as a little kid bringing home Sunday school material, standing up on the hearth in front of the fireplace, and I would read it, pretending like I was preaching to my family. Later on uh, in high school, uh, I felt the call to go into ministry. I didn't know exactly what it was going to be at that point. I was really into music. And so I thought maybe music ministry, but I really like to preach, so I thought maybe preaching ministry. Maybe something I'm not even aware of yet. I don't know. And when the minister at that time, his name was Don Thee, I had several ministers that, that poured their lives into me as I was growing up. And when he found out that I had a desire to go to Bible college, he took a personal interest in me. He gave me opportunities to preach, and we did... Um, leading 
worship and stuff like that together. It was just a neat experience. When I graduated high school, I went on to the Bible college. I started out as a voice major, um, but after a semester, I just felt like God was wanting me to go into the preaching ministry, and so I switched over um, to a preaching, uh, it's actually a preaching minor with a Bible major in that. It wasn't too long after that, I got my first uh, weekend ministry at a church in my hometown, which was about two hours from where I went to school. So every weekend, I would drive home, do the uh, weekend ministry thing, and then drive back down. And on top of that, I also worked at a restaurant, at a Cracker Barrel restaurant, and sometimes I would get off about midnight on Saturday, drive two hours, and sleep for a few hours. I would get up and preach on Sunday morning. We had two services on Sunday morning and Sunday night, and I'd preach again on Sunday night, and then Sunday night after the service, I would drive back down um, to Knoxville, Tennessee, and, and Tammy, she was not my wife at the time, but, uh, but we were dating at that time, and she would travel with me a lot, and I'll tell you, there were times. I remember getting on the interstate in Corbin, Kentucky, and getting off the interstate in Knoxville, Tennessee, which was about an hour and a half south, and I didn't remember anything in between. I mean, the Lord was with us, because it wasn't me driving there. It was crazy. It was crazy. When I graduated um, college, I got a ministry in Jellicoe, Tennessee, uh, with a church that had been divided for 20 years. Every time we talked about something, they were like, we haven't done that here in 20 years. We baptized girls. We haven't had a baptism here in 20 years. We had a vacation Bible school. We haven't had a BBS here in 20 years. It's like everything in 20 years. They're like, what's up with the 20 years? And I found out there was a, there was a this church was primarily one family, and there was a very divisive divorce that took place in this family about 20 years earlier. And they were still divided. When I here I was. Fresh out of Bible college, I was green and ready to take on the world, ready to change the world, ready to do all this. And they didn't want to do anything except fight and bicker with each other. I love I, I to tell people I got my degree at Johnson Bible College, but I got my education at that first church there in, in Jellicoe, Tennessee. From there, I went and worked with a new church where it was about a year old, uh, just outside of Louisville, Kentucky. And I, and I worked with them uh, for about a year in, in, as, a, as an associate minister. It was a great time. I worked uh, with a good friend of mine, Dun Martin, was a senior minister there at that time. Um, I actually lived with him and his wife and his three kids uh, while I did ministry there. And, uh, and it was just a great experience. And I felt like I felt like I wanted to go back and get my master's. I had I had this desire to work in inner city ministry. And I don't know why a, a country boy from southeastern Kentucky would feel a call to go into inner city ministry, but I had done some inner city ministry. One of my favorite authors was in inner city ministry, and I thought this would be cool. And at the time, leaving seminary, uh, had a had a division of their school in Chicago, and you could get a master's degree in inner city ministry, in urban ministry. And I thought, well, that's what I'm going to do. So I got a job with Toyota Motor Manufacturing in order to save up money. I got this real cheap 
one room apartment so I could save as much money as I could because I didn't want to go back in the street alone yet. I've gotten rid of that and didn't want to go back. And so I saved up all this money, and while I was working at Toyota, Lincoln Seminary closed that program. It was no longer available. And I was like, okay, God, what do you want me to do now? Send me an email because I'm <laughs> It was about that time that I, uh, I decided to pop the question to my wife. So um, that money I was saving up. <laughs> <laughs> This, that's right. And this was six years later. Yeah, that's why I clapped. We dated for six years. Hey, you can't rush into this marriage stuff. <laughs> so I took I took that money that I've been saving up to get my master's degree and I bought an engagement ring. Um and Christmas of nineteen ninety-nine, I proposed uh, to my wife. Uh, some of my friends told me, I know the reason you're doing it now. You're thinking the Y2K is going to get you out of it. But uh, y'all remember the Y2K scare? Yes. Um, but it didn't. And we got married and, and we continued on. But uh, a weird thing is we had uh, we had set our, our wedding date for, Ju for July. We just celebrated our 21st wedding anniversary. <laughs> And yes, I did get married in the year 2000, so I would always know what number anniversary, whatever year it is, anniversary. <laughs> that's the reason I waited six years. But uh, the same year we were getting married, crazy. I quit my job at Toyota in order to start a ministry where I would be paid completely through donations. Yeah, some of you are going like, that's crazy. <laughs> some of you are going, where to go, man? That's a way to be faithful. Others are like, that's not faithful. That's nuts. What wrong with that? And my future mother-in-law was on that side. She's like, he's nuts. What is going on? What is, how are we going to take care of my daughter when he's quitting this job? And it was a good paying job. Um, in order to do a ministry, we get paid by donations. That's what I did. Because I felt God's call. To do that. And oftentimes we struggled, sometimes we didn't, sometimes we thought, you know, we are not going to have the money to pay the electric bill this month. Or we're not going to have the money to pay the, the house payment this month. And it always came through. You know, matter of fact, one time we were we had an electric bill to pay, and it was it was like due the next day, and we didn't have the money for it. And one of the elders from a church that supported our ministry showed up at our door that day with a check for the exact amount that we needed. God is it's crazy. I used to hear those stories before that happened. I'm like, that's not exactly how that happened. That's exactly how it happened. Okay? It's crazy. It's crazy. We ran this ministry for eight years. It's called Upside Down Ministries. And man, it was awesome. And I thought, man, I can do this for the rest of my life. But God had other plans. He had other plans. Uh, when we started that ministry, obviously we didn't have any kids. Uh, about three years into that ministry, three and a half years into that ministry, uh, Apollonia came along, 
Um, about two and a half years later, Dylan came along. I traveled a lot with that ministry. Um, there was some time I, I would be gone from home. There was one summer from the first of July into the middle, or the first of June into the middle of August, I was home 11 days in two and a half months. And with two little kids at home, that was just not an ideal situation. And so I reluctantly um, gave up that ministry. And I felt like God was calling me to do that for about a year and a half, but I fought him on it. Like, God, I love doing this. I love traveling to different churches. I love working with church camps. I love this style of ministry. Please don't take away my ministry. And that's when God reminded me, oh, I'm waiting. I'm overloading it. It's not your ministry. His ministry. He just allowed me to be a part of it for a while. In that capacity. And so we started looking for, for other things to do. And in about 2009, late 2009, we decided to go back into local church ministry. And, and that's what we did. And we have been in local church ministry for the most part um, ever since then. Now, why do I share you that? Why, why did I tell you all of this stuff? Because it's evident over the journey what God is doing in your life. You may not always realize it in the moment, but looking back on it, you can see how God is doing all these things. I thought, God, why did you bring me to a church that's so divided? I mean, I'm fresh. I knew all I want to do is, is change the world, and they don't want to change anything. And I, why am I in this situation? But I can look back on it now and realize I developed probably more leadership ability in the time that I was with that church than I had any other experience. It was amazing. But I didn't realize that in the moment. But it's as I follow God's calling that I continue to understand and better get a grasp of what his, his calling on my life was. And guess what? All of those experiences, all of those experiences eventually led me here. Yeah. Some of you are cheering, some of you are going. <laughs> it, it's, it, next month will be two years. Yeah. And about a year of that has been in the building. So. <laughs> it's, it's, been, it's been a crazy time over the past two years. But I am excited about the calling that God has, not only on my life, but on our lives as a church moving forward. God is a good God. And it's not always easy. It's not, life is not this, this piece of pie you kind of go through. And it doesn't mean, you know, sometimes God calls us into the storm, right? We can't necessarily distinguish what God's call is just by what is easiest. I mean, giving up a job where I was making good money in order to get paid purely through donations was not the easiest choice. 
But I will tell you, at this point, looking back at that time in my life, it was the best choice. Because it was God's call on my life. And all of these, as I have traveled along this journey, have been God's call on my life. And that is where the abundant life comes from. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The old King James Version said, to have life more abundantly. The message translation says to have a real eternal life, a more and better life than you ever dreamed of. Now when we read that, we hear that, we think, okay, I must not be doing it right, because man, I've gone through some pain, I've gone through some struggles, I've gone through some heartache, I've gone through some failure. I must not be doing it right. Realize that when Jesus talks about a life that is full, a life that is abundant, a, a more better life than we ever dreamed of, it doesn't mean that it's always easy. Matter of fact, if you want to live life to the full, sometimes that means going through the hardest parts of life. And it's through that that we experience the fullness. That's what that passage means. That's not a... Not a prosperity thing. Oh, I'm going to live life full. I'm always going to be rich. I'm always going to have this big smile on my face. And everything's always just going to be rosy in life. doesn't mean that at all. But it means that our fulfillment is in Jesus and what he's doing in us and through us. And sometimes those are celebrations. And sometimes it's dealing with the storms in the heart. And that's where the fullness of life comes. It's in Jesus and following his calling for us. <laughs> there was a book written several years ago by a Christian coach, Tony Stoltzfus, and it's called The Calling Journey. It's a great book. And he just talks about the journey that you go through. And, and he uses as, as an example the story of Joseph. If you're familiar with the story of Joseph, Joseph, I believe, lived a full, abundant life. But it wasn't always easy. It wasn't always easy. His brothers hated him because they felt like his dad showed favoritism to him and probably did, to be honest with you. And they, they, they beat him up and left him for dead and then, and then they changed their mind and decided to, to sell him off as a slave. And his life was full of ups and downs and ups and downs. Sometimes it would be great and sometimes it would just be horrendous. But at the end of life, he could look back and see how God had worked in his life throughout the whole journey. And you know what? God does that in your life as well. He works in your life throughout the whole journey. And that's what it is. It's a journey that we are on here. Tony Stolstice says that, that most people are, are past 50 before they, first of all, most people never really even seek out their calling. But those that do and understand it, it's typically after 50 years old before they even understand what it is. Because it's a journey. And I want to encourage you to keep moving along this journey.
And if you do, at times, it's going to call you out of your comfort zone. It's going to call you to step out of those things that you're most comfortable with. But you know what? That's okay. Because you know what I've discovered about comfort zones? Y'all heard me teach this before. They follow. Okay? Comfort zones follow you. You step out of your comfort zone and it's uncomfortable for a while, but eventually it becomes comfortable, right? I mean, there was one point in all of our lives where we were extremely uncomfortable walking. We couldn't do it. And we'd get up and we'd try it and we'd fall down. Or we'd stumble into a table or we'd scratch our knee. It was very uncomfortable. But now we all walk pretty comfortable, right? I'm noticing the older I get, the less comfortable it becomes. <laughs> Compared to those early years, it's, it's still pretty comfortable. I'm not falling into chairs and stuff again like I did this. <laughs> but early, not yet. <laughs> well, damn, I'm coming! But when we step out of our comfort zone, eventually it follows us. If you drive, you know, at one time you were not comfortable driving. Now, you probably don't even think about it. You just get in and you go. Why? Because it's become comfortable. So, if you leave your comfort zone, don't get too freaked out about it. Because eventually, that will follow you. When I was 15 years old, and my youth leaders asked me to get up and preach a sermon, you talk about uncomfortable. I was extremely uncomfortable. I was sweating. I couldn't get my words out. And I just kind of, like I said, it took me two minutes to preach a 20-minute sermon. I mean, I was extremely uncomfortable. And to be honest with you, right now, the most comfortable I typically feel is when I'm up front talking to you guys. I'll let you in on a little secret. As an introvert, I'm much more comfortable talking to a crowd than I am one-on-one, okay? <laughs> Sometimes I get, I get lost, but I'm like, what do we say next? And we have this dead time, especially if I'm talking with another introvert, and you're like, <laughs> all right, I guess it's time to go home. We ran out of things to say. I, I'm just not as comfortable with one-on-one conversations unless it's about something specific, Doing a coaching conversation or working out something toward a goal or something like that. Very comfortable with that. Just talking about the weather and the events of the day and all that stuff. I'm just, I'm not very good at it. And some of you have, have experienced that. I know some of you said, yeah, I noticed. You get up front and you're, you're not at a loss of words. It's one on one conversation and it's like, okay, it doesn't have anything to say. I'm going to somebody else. <laughs> But I'll be honest with you, even that used to be much more uncomfortable for me than it is now. It's become more comfortable because I've stepped out of my comfort zone. Used to, I wouldn't go to restaurants where I had to talk to a server because I was too afraid to talk to the server. Um, I talk to servers all the time now. It doesn't really bother me. See, I've stepped out of my comfort zone, and the comfort zone followed me in that. So remember that as you're, as you're coming to an understanding of your calling that God has on your life. 
He will call you to step out of those comfort zones from time to time. But they will follow you. Now, if we're going to understand our calling, I think we've got to make a few discoveries. I want to talk about four of those this morning. And first and foremost, our first discovery is Jesus. we got to discover Jesus. All this other stuff that we talk about is, is meaningless without the foundation of Jesus. Because he's the one that gives us the calling. He is the one that our calling comes from. And so without him, we are always going to be, at least on some level, clueless as to what our calling for life, the reason we are on this earth, is we're going to be clueless about it because it comes from Jesus. I love the passage in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. This is in the message translation where it says, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living as a part of his overall purpose that he's working out in everything and everyone. You see, it's in Christ that you find out who you are and what you're supposed to be doing. It's in him. So it's got to begin with that relationship with Jesus. And he had, he had our lives set up for us long before we first heard of him, long before we got our hope in, in him. He knew what he wanted us to do. And it's in him that we get an understanding of that and accept that calling and follow that calling. And he will not forsake us in any of that. And realize, our calling, our individual calling, is just part of his overall purpose that he's working out in everything and everyone. You see, I can better fulfill my calling when you are fulfilling your calling because it all works together. All works together. And we find that in Christ. We find that in Jesus. The, uh, the book that I was referring to earlier, the, the Calling Journey, there's a quote in that book, Tony Stoltz's. And it says, once you make Jesus the Lord of your life, unless you tell him to stop, he will get you to your destination. And might I just add a caveat, sometimes even when you tell him to stop, <laughs> he'll get you to your destination. If you don't believe me, read Jonah. <laughs> but he will not leave us to forsake us. He will be with us. He will carry us on to completion of what our calling is and what he's called us to do. So our first discovery is Jesus. The second thing we need to discover is our general purpose. Now you've heard me talk about our general purpose and our specific purpose. Here I'm talking about our general purpose, and we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on this because we've talked about it already over the past uh, few weeks or so, but our general purpose is the three ships, a tree, and an ism. Y'all remember that, right? Okay. We just we just went over this last week. What's our three shifts? Give me one of them. Worship. Worship. What's another one? Fellowship. What's another one? Not stewardship. Discipleship. What's the tree? Ministry. What's the ism? Evangelism. You see, that's that's God's general purpose for all of us. 
We all need to have fellowship. We all need to develop those relationships with other brothers and sisters in Christ. We need that. It's not an optional thing. Jesus created the church because we need each other in this calling journey, in this faith journey that we're on. This discipleship, this growing in him, it's not just about, oh, I came forward and I accepted Christ, I'm baptized, I'm going to heaven when I die. No, it's about growing in that relationship. It's about taking those steps of discipleship, becoming a part of a small group, reading your Bible on a regular basis, praying on a regular basis, doing those things that it takes to grow in your relationship with him. Worship. It's about lifting up praises to him. It's about living a lifestyle that shows God how much you love him. That's what worship is. Ministry, it's about serving him. That's what we're focused on here. This is conversations on ministry. And it's how we each serve him in the way that he has gifted us. And then evangelism, just telling other people about Jesus. Telling other people about Jesus and what he's done in your life. You've heard me say it before. You don't have to be an expert in the Bible to do evangelism. You just have to be an expert in you and what he's done in your life. Now, the more Bible you've learned along the way, the better, because there is power in the Word of God. But don't feel like you can't tell people about Jesus just because you feel like you don't know enough Bible verses. If you know what he's done in your life, you know enough tell other people about Jesus. And that's our general purpose. Discover Jesus. Discover your general purpose. The third, discover your shape. Anybody ever heard me talk about your shape? Okay, yeah. We're reviewing here as well, right? Alright. <laughs> Y'all didn't know this was so much participation here this morning, did you? The shape is an acronym. What does the S stand for? Anybody remember? We did a whole series on this, not the past series, but the series before. We did a, a message on each one of these letters. What? Are you speaking in tongues? Never heard of it. Hopefully you've heard it. Hopefully you've heard it. We went, anybody know what the S is? Anybody want to guess? Right spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. <laughs> God, when you became a follower of Jesus, you received the gift of the Holy Spirit. One of the results of the gift of the Holy Spirit is He has given each and one each one of us a, at least one spiritual gift. And in some cases, maybe two or three spiritual gifts. And He's given us those not for our own benefit, but to be able to serve the church and in the community, and the kingdom of God. Each one of us has, a, has at least one spiritual gift. What's the H stand for? Heart. Heart. There you go. By the way, Chris Clayton is the one. We always have trivia on Tojo. <laughs> and, and Chris has more right answers than anybody else that watches Tojo. The H stands for the heart. It's your passion. What are you passionate about? And realize that those godly passions, not just any passion, so be careful, but those godly passions that, it, that he puts in our heart, those come from God, right? 
And he puts them in there for a reason, because it's part of our calling, what he wants us to do. God typically doesn't call us to do something. Now, he will call us to step out of our comfort zone, but he's not typically going to call us to do something that has no connection to the passion that he's put in our heart. He's put that passion in our heart for a reason. The A, what does the A stand for? Abilities. There we go. All right. Giving Chris a run for his money back there. <laughs> the A stands for abilities. Now, what's the difference between spiritual gifts and abilities? Well, here's the difference. Spiritual gift is something that you are given once you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Abilities are, can be one of two things. First of all, it's those natural abilities. You ever notice that some people just do some things naturally better than other people? Right? I mean, it's like they were born being able to do that. And then there's other abilities that we kind of learn along the way, maybe because of a job that we've had or some experience that we've had. We've developed a, a skill or ability that maybe we do better than most other people. It wasn't necessarily a spiritual gift. It's not something we necessarily received once we received the gift of the Holy Spirit. You may have had this before you became a Christian, but it's just an ability that you have that you do better than most other people. And I believe that everybody has at least something that they do better than most other people. You may not be the best in the world, but you're better than the average person at that particular ability or skill. The P in shape, what does the P stand for? Personality. Personality. <laughs> and remember we went through the four dominant personality styles. The way that you are wired is by intention. That wasn't by accident. God wired you for a specific calling. You have your personality for a reason. Remember when I told you that I am an introvert? Guess what? I was born an introvert. I will die an introvert. And I don't want to change that. Because there's value in being an introvert. And if you're an extrovert, guess what? You were born an extrovert. You'll die an extrovert. And you don't want to change that. And unless there's something that happens to the brain chemistry in, inside your brain, that will always be the case. And God uses both of those. God uses introverts to do things that he can't do through an extrovert. And he uses extroverts to do things that he can't do through an introvert. He's created both for specific reasons. And that's just one aspect of our personality. But our whole personality is the way it is because God designed it for his calling on your life. And then the E, the last letter, you remember what the E is? Go ahead, Chris. <laughs> Experience. Experience. <laughs> Chris got four out of five today. Experiences. We all have different experiences, right? When I opened up this morning, I shared with you some of my experiences that led to where I am right now. You know what? Your experiences have led you to where you are right now. Whether they be good or bad, they both brought you to where you are, and they've helped make you who you are. And that's not by accident. God uses that in 
your calling. And so you need to discover that. And, and we've got um, we've got a whole, we've, you could do surveys and stuff like that to find that stuff. We've got some stuff that we handed out when we did that series. You can find stuff online. The Shape thing is not original with me. Um, you can Google uh, Shape profile and you can find, find things to do on there. Um, I'll tell you another way is, is just trial and error. Trial and error. Try something to see how it goes and you'll discover. And maybe this is a spiritual gift or ability to find. Maybe it's not. Let's find out. You find out, nope, not me. You got to do something else. And that's okay. That's okay. If you want to take it a step further, you can get some coaching. Get a coach to work with you in order to discover your spiritual gifts, your heart, your ability, your personality, and your experiences. I would love to work with individuals. As a matter of fact, there's some of you I have worked with in doing that discovery. And it's a beautiful process that, that we go through. Now, let me just let me just say, we've got a series of classes that we are developing. We've already done the 101 class. Uh, we've taught it a couple of times. It's kind of a basic Glen Cove Christian Church 101. Um, even if you're a member, I would encourage you to take that as we do it. We're going to be offering those periodically throughout the year. We're going to offer it one more time this year. But that leads into another class. It is a 201 class, which is about spiritual growth and, and, and talks about you know, what do we do specifically in order to grow spiritually. And that leads into a 301 class, which is specifically about our shape. It's about spiritual gifts, our heart, our abilities, our personality, and our experiences, and how God uses all that to shape us to serve Him. And we're gonna we're gonna offer we haven't done the 201 or 301 class yet, but we're going to this fall, and we're going to offer the 101 class again um, later this year as well. And so I would encourage you to take those. Even if you've already taken a membership class, I would encourage you to, to get in on this, this 101 class um, because it, it builds on to the next one. So you take the 201 class and then take the 301 class. And it's this process that you could go through in discovering your call through making these discoveries. All right? The fourth thing that I just want to say and that we need to discover is our ministry. And all of this builds. You discover Jesus. You discover your general purpose. You discover your shape. And it all helps you to discover your ministry. I love this passage in Galatians chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. Again, out of the message translation, it says, Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given and sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself and don't compare yourself with others. Each one of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. I love this passage of Scripture. Make a careful exploration. The unexamined life is not worth living. But as we make that exploration, as we examine that, we better understand ourselves, and we better understand what God has called us to do, and then we sink ourselves into that. We don't just dabble in it. We don't just say, let me try that. You sink yourself into that. But it's not for your glory. Don't be impressed with yourself. Hey, look what I'm doing. I've discovered my calling, and now all this good stuff is happening. Woo! Somebody's celebrating that's not the purpose. 
It's not that it's for the glory of God. It's not for our own glory. And don't compare yourself to others. Listen, no ministry is more or less important than any other ministry. There are some ministries that get more limelight. Joe and I, we get to get up here on stage. The band, they get to get up here on stage. You guys see us. But let me just tell you, there's a whole lot of things that go on in this church that you never see. We wouldn't be able to do what we do up here on stage without that happening. Okay? All ministries are valuable. All ministries are important. And none of them are more or less important than the other because they all work together like a puzzle. It's like looking at a puzzle and saying, oh, this piece of the puzzle is more important than all the others. No, it's not. The only thing that may make it seem more important is when it's missing, and you're like, I just had that one piece, right? It's the same way in the church. Same way in the church. As we all use our gifts and abilities and our calling, we work together in that. So we don't have to be impressed with ourselves. We don't need to compare ourselves with others. It's not about that stuff. You know, it would be very easy for me to go, you know, I love preaching. I love leading people to Jesus and stuff like that. But when I compare myself to Billy Graham, I'm one pitiful preacher. Look at all the people he's led to Jesus. Maybe I should just quit. But it's not a comparison yet. You know what I do? I praise God for the people that Billy Graham has led to Jesus. It doesn't have to be me. If I don't lead anybody to Jesus, it's okay. As long as they get led to Jesus by somebody, that's what's important. And I will do my part that God has called me to do. But I don't want to compare myself with others because it's not about that. It's about taking personal responsibility to do the creative best you can. I love that. The creative best you can with your own life. Be creative. Be innovative. Step out of that comfort zone. You don't have to do it like everybody else. You can learn from others, but you don't have to copy them. Because God has called you as an individual. And if you're if you're gonna if two people are just alike, one of you's a waste. Right? Because God has called all of us uniquely, distinctly, and intentionally. In that process, just make yourself available to him. God, here I am. Use me however you will. Whatever you want me to do. Just make it more evident to me as I go through this discovery process. And here, here's the funny thing. Sometimes your ministry discovers you. Okay? Not always you discovering your ministry. Sometimes your ministry discovers you. And all of a sudden you're in the middle of something and you go, wow. This is it. This, this is what God wants me to do. I didn't realize it. I've been doing this for six years. And now I realize, hey, this, this is my ministry. This is what God has called me to do. Guys, just remember. Step out of that comfort zone. Read your comfort zone. Realize that this journey is exactly that. It is a journey. It is the calling journey. I love the title of that book. The Calling 
journey. Because sometimes we think of a calling like, you know, we're we're in a dark room in the middle of the night and we're praying and, and all of a sudden, boom, my calling comes to me in the middle of the night and my whole life changes. And let me just say, sometimes that happens. But that's not typically the way it happens. Typically it is a lifelong journey of discovery. But it's a part of something that is so magnificent in this world. I don't know if you've seen this or not, but there's a video floating around of a guy that was on an airplane and, and a lady asked, he's a pastor, and a lady asked him, what do you do for a living? And his answer is magnificent. And I just, I want to show that clip here if we can. Often say to me, they say, Jay John, you know, what, what do you do? It's always very difficult to know what to say. Because if I say to you that I'm a reverend, which I am, that conjures up certain images in people's minds as to what I might be. So I like to be a little bit creative in telling people what I do. I sat next to this lady on an aeroplane at Heathrow Airport. And I said, hello. And she said, well, hello. And I said, where are you going? And she says, I'm going to Singapore. Then she said to me, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Australia. I said, what do you do? So she told me. Then she said, what do you do? And I said, well... <laughs> I work for a global enterprise. She said, do you? I said, yes, I do. I said, we've got outlets in nearly every country of the world. She said, have you? I said, yes, we have. I said, we've got hospitals and hospices and homeless shelters. I said, we do marriage work. We've got orphanages. We've got feeding programs, educational programs. I said, we do all sorts of justice and reconciliation things. I said, basically, we look after people from birth to death and we deal in the area of behavioural alteration. <laughs> She went, wow! <laughs> and it was so loud, her wow, loads of people turned around and looked at us. She says, what's it called? <laughs> I said, it's called the church. <laughs> If we are a follower of Jesus, wow. then we are part of a global That's enterprise. Right. But not only is it global, it's intergalactic because it includes everyone that's gone before us. Wow. <laughs> Wasn't that awesome? I love that, man. I love that. And I love what he said there at the end because he said, if you're a follower of Jesus, it's not just pastors, it's not just ministers, it's all of us. <laughs> We're a part of this global enterprise that is making a significant difference in the world. And you know what? Part of that difference is made by you following your call that God has on your life. Let's pray. God, we love you, we worship you, we thank you that you have called us to be a part of what you are doing in the world. Not like you needed us, you could do this stuff without us, but God, you desire us to be a part of what you're doing. 
And it is a magnificent work beyond comprehension. God, I pray that you help us to go through these discoveries of Jesus, of our general purpose, of our shape, and of our ministry in order to get a better understanding of our calling that you have on our lives and then help us to fulfill that. God, we thank you for your love and your grace. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.